0: In fact, I think in one of these coming years we might need to have, but the Prado. Do you camp? Are you? We're going to turn him into an outdoorsman. (laughs) In Jesus' name, we're going to have a great time. Now, the signups are going well. Listen, there's information. A lot of people have been asking questions. Okay, what about this? What about that? What about this? And that's understandable. In the vestibule, there is a table that is set up that has all the information. About the camp that you would ever, you would ever need, uh, and beyond that, if you have other questions, we want you to feel free to either talk to Brother Chris Earls. Lift your hand, the Bear Slayer, Brother Chris Earls, right there. In Jesus' name, Hallelujah. Next thing he needs to do is kill a lion with his bare hands. Hallelujah, he could do it. All right, don't miss this part, and then I'm going to get out of the way. There are some people, listen, it's $85 a person, which is incredibly, it's an incredible deal for all that's being offered. Food, all of the activities, it's mind-boggling. Have a Starbucks, they have stuff in the water, stuff in the woods, zip line, da-da-da-da-da. I can't even, I couldn't even rehearse it all. All the things that this camp has that you will have full access to. There are some among us that may say, Listen carefully. That I'd really like to go, but that's still in our con- in our situation is still a little bit steep. Well, when we have these kind of a functions, we have a little little deal over here to the side because we want everybody to be able to go. And so privately, you are. I, I'm. I'm. Want you to do this. I want you to contact me. And we're going to do everything we can to help you and your family come and be a part of our annual family camp. I don't want you to feel embarrassed. I want you to feel like it's a real need. I want to go, da da, da. Well, that's what this is for. And uh, it's more important to me that we're all together. And I want to tell you, in the 21st century, it's becoming more and more of a challenge to keep the church together. I can't think of one, even this last summit conference, we looked around and we saw that there were many people that were not here this isn't a rebuke, it's just a just a, an assessment of things. But it's becoming more and more of a challenge to keep the church together, moving together, and receiving together, and being blessed together. And so, we want you to be there, and I want you to feel free to get a hold of us, and we will do whatever we can to make sure you can go. Everybody said, "Praise the Lord." Praise the Lord. Everybody that loves street tacos say, "Praise the Lord." Praise the Lord. We don't have street tacos today. We have Brother Rodriguez's special fried chicken. And I want to tell you. And I want to tell you, it's so good you'll be licking somebody else's fingers when they're done eating. Just having fun. Just having fun. I'm glad Brother Prado's here. There's only one Brother Prado. We love him, his family. Believe in what he's doing. He's having revival. Let's clap our hands under the Lord for
1: the man of God as he comes. Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Oh, hallelujah. Come on. Let's magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Amen. Has the Lord been good to you? Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, the 13th chapter. And while you're going there, let me just give honor to your pastor. Uh, give honor to this great church. And, uh, every time I, I come back, amen, uh, the music gets better and better. The preaching gets better and better. The people look better and better. Praise God. And, uh, amen. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. God makes things better, doesn't he? Amen. God wants us to make things better as well. Praise God. This is not just for us. This is for everybody around us. Hallelujah, And uh, a lot of people forget that Joseph had a dream and Egypt was saved. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, everything God gives us is to reach out into this world. And, uh, we still have a job to fill up all the empty places in the pew. Amen. Can you say amen? I had a sermon I wanted to preach, but God told me to put that away. And um, I felt like he told me like that that is not what his people need. So I'm going to go into a slightly lower gear, and uh, I'm going to deliver what I feel is the word of the Lord for you this morning. And uh, it might be a little more along the preaching side, but hopefully it blesses you, encourages you, and strengthens you. Can you say amen? Do you love the word of the Lord? Exodus 13, chapter 17, 13, verse 17, excuse me, Exodus chapter 13, and verse number 17, Somebody say amen when you have it. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God, everyone say God, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God, everyone say God, for God said, Lest preadventure the people repent, When they see war, they return to Egypt. But God, everyone said God, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning on this subject, Embrace the Long Route the long route. And we live in a world that's fascinated with shortcuts and speed and getting places really fast. But God, but God sometimes chooses the long route. I didn't think I'd get a lot of amens on that one, praise God. But God sometimes chooses the long route. Can I get a bigger amen than that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit and for your presence Lord, I need you today to help me, to minister, to preach the word, to edify the hearer, to impart grace and faith and strength. God, use me and speak through me as the oracles of the Lord. God, I'm not worthy to preach your word. And I pray today, God, for your precious spirit to cover me and to enable me and to strengthen me. In Jesus' name, someone shout a great big amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Shake your neighbor's hand, give them a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. We are in the 13th chapter of Exodus this morning, and there's a lot that's already happened. God has already unleashed all 10 plagues over Egypt. God has already warned Pharaoh as much as he's going to warn him. The firstborn have already died. And in this 13th chapter, the children of Israel are getting ready to cross the Red Sea. In fact, I believe it's in chapter 14 that they will cross the Red Sea. But in this 13th chapter, something very peculiar happens. Decisions need to be made. These are not small decisions. They're very significant decisions. There are some estimated 600,000 men. Most biblical scholars raise that number up to about 3 million when they consider women and children and seniors that are not being counted in this census. And it's a very significant, important choice that needs to be made as to what you're going to do with three million people. Because they are leaving a system. They are leaving a civilization. They are walking out of Egypt, the most advanced civilization of its time. And they are now going to enter a place where they're not depending on anybody to tell them what to do. There's no markets. There's no national currency. There's no laws and police. They're going out into the wilderness. And the Lord tells Pharaoh, Moses, and Aaron, and everyone else from the very get-go that the reason they're going out to the wilderness is so that they might worship me. But we know that that's just the shorthand answer because in reality... They are not just embarking on a journey, they are embarking upon becoming a nation. They are going to become a nation. They are going to get out into the wilderness. They are going to have laws. They're going to have a system of their own where God is the center of that system. But right now, decisions need to be made as to what we're going to do with 3 million people. Some people say that a line of 3 million people is some 65 miles long. That's a long line. If I had 3 million people on my hands, wherever I needed to get them, I'd want to take the shortest route possible. I would try to expedite consolidate, shorten, every process possible. I would try to get those 3 million people to move in as an efficient way as possible. And God stops Moses and he says, we're not going the shortest route possible. We're taking the longest route possible. We're taking the longest route possible. possible." And... Immediately, God gives a reason why. But I want you to know that this reason is rather layered. You have to look a little deeper into it. Because there's more behind there. And God says, the reason we're not going to take the short route is because if the people see war, they're going to repent and they're going to go back to Egypt. And God never intended for his people to go back to Egypt. And the problem with the shortest route out is it's the shortest route back. And God says, you're permanently coming out. You're going to leave and you're never going to see them again. You're going to leave and you're never going to wear chains again. You're going to leave and you're never going to think like you used to think. You're going to leave and you're never going to eat what you used to eat. You're going to leave and you're never going to count time the way you used to count time. You're going to leave and you'll never worship the gods you used to worship. You're going to leave and you're never going to live the life you used to live. And so we're not going to take the short route out because the short route out amen. at the very slightest trouble you're going to take it right back. And I don't want you going back. And this is not part of this morning's message, but I do want you to know that when God takes you out of something, He does not intend to let you go back into that thing. If God delivered you from alcohol, He's not trying to let you go back to non-alcoholic beer. If God delivered you from drugs, He's not trying to let you go back to legalized drugs. If God delivered you from fornication, He's not trying to let you go back to fornication. If God Oh, come on, somebody. And this is not part of my message this morning, but I want you to know that even the most seasoned saint amen, has to constantly, amen, keep their Holy Ghost fresh and moving inside of them because with time, amen, convictions can slip away. With time, amen, firm, firm things we used to have a firm grasp on can begin to let, we can begin to let go of them. And so every often, amen, if not every day, we still need to hit the prayer room. We still need to open the Bible. We still need to push away the plate. We still need to come to church. We still need to hear the preaching. We still need to fellowship. We still need Come on, I don't want to lose this. I, I I don't want to be in church for 25 years just to backslide. I don't want to be in church for 1 year just to backslide. But believe it or not, war is not even the trouble. Because if you read verse 18, it says the children of Israel came out harnessed That word harnessed in Hebrew literally means armored. They came out armored. The problem was they didn't have a spirit to fight. What good does it do you to have a sword if you ain't got the spirit to swing it? And guess what? The Philistines aren't even the trouble. Being attacked by the Philistines Is not so much the problem in and of itself. Because in fact, Israel, when they do leave Egypt finally, they will be attacked. They're going to be attacked by the Amalekites. The the difference between the Amalekites and the Philistines is that the Amalekites were just bullies. But you can handle a bully, you just hit them back. The difference between the Amalekite and the Philistine is that the Israelites had to go through the land of Philistia. And let me tell you something. You never want to fight a man that's fighting for everything. You never want to fight a man that's defending his home, his children, his wife, his town. That man is going to fight to the last drop. You can punch a bully in in the nose and he'll cut it out. But a man who's fighting for everything he's ever had, even God chooses his battles wisely. Even God says, you know what? You guys have swords, you guys have shields, but you don't have a spirit. And you, you can't cross through this territory because these people are spirited and they are determined to fight with everything they have to defend their land, their country, their families. And you don't have that spirit. So we're not going that way. We're going to go the long route. We're going to go the long route. And I'm not going to preach very long this morning. Nobody wants the long route. 65 mile long line, 3 million people. Why the long route, God? We see all the problems that can arise. But isn't there more problems that can arise? First of all, on this long route, God, there's a huge body of water called the Red Sea. You know, I used to preach all the time, and, and I, I understand it still, ha, it still holds its, its own grain of truth. But I used to preach all the time, God will never give you more than you can bear. Actually, God will give you more than you can bear all the time. but he doesn't do it to frustrate you. He doesn't do it to discourage you. He doesn't do it to get you to go out the back door. He doesn't he does it so that you turn to him. He does it so that you say, "You know what? I cannot bear this burden on my own." Come on. I'm talking to somebody this morning. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You're wondering why you have this surplus of trouble. I'll tell you why you got the surplus of trouble. I know you're trying to find out who to blame. I know you're looking in the mirror not even too happy with that man or woman. But can I tell you that the surplus of your trouble, amen, is a hope. God let it happen in hopes that you would turn to Him. Amen, don't let it drive a wedge between you and God. Let Let it drive you closer to God. Don't let it be the thing, amen, that makes you walk away from God let it be the thing that makes you walk to God amen don't let it be the wedge issue between you I'm telling you every single thing that's going on in your life right now you can take it to God in prayer you can take it to God in praise you can take it to God in worship you can take it come on somebody I'm preaching to somebody let's magnify Jesus here just for a few seconds Let's just praise him. Let's just praise him. I feel God talking to somebody right now. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, as you're clapping, you can hand some of it over to God right now. You can give God that surplus right now. You can give God that extra stress, that extra pain, that extra... You see, right off the bat, right off the bat, they are going to need God. And I, I, I know, I know this, may, this, this, this might get an immediate amen, but in the long run, it's harder to amen this kind of stuff. God will always choose the route that demands His participation. God will always choose the route that is going to require you to get on your knees and stay prayed up. But you know what? I've been living for God long enough now that I'm glad. I can praise God for the long route now. I can praise God for the long route now. I can praise God because I learned how to eat manna. I can praise God because I learned that he'll... I can praise God because I learned that he can make my shoes last longer than they should. I can praise God now for the long route because I found out, amen, that he can make my clothes last, last longer than they should. I can praise God now for the long route because I found out that you can throw a stick in a lake and God will make bitter water sweet. I can praise God now for the long route. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. You wouldn't be where you're at today. Your children wouldn't be where you're at today had God let you get the shortcut. You wouldn't be where you're at today had God just let you mosey on by into victory. Some of you are here today because you've had to fight every square inch of the way. And I'm telling you, it was good for you. And I'm telling you, God loves you. And I'm telling you that you learned some invaluable lessons along the way. And I'm telling you that what you got right now, let's magnify him. I feel like God is really talking to somebody here today. God will always choose the route that demands his participation. God refuses to be left out. know hezekiah hezekiah was a righteous king there's no arguing that he's even in the bloodline of jesus christ there's no arguing how good of a man hezekiah was there is no arguing how good of when when israel was in shambles hezekiah brought about a religious spiritual and economic revival that was so desperately needed man he was a good king But he got sick. And he almost died. And God did something for Hezekiah that baffles the imagination. Isaiah comes in. This is how good God is. Isaiah comes in, says, Hezekiah, you're going to die. I just came to let you know the good news. And Isaiah leaves. Hezekiah throws himself against the wall. And begins to pray. God tells Isaiah, go back. And tell Hezekiah that he's not going to die. And Hezekiah himself is rather incredulous. He says, well, if it's true, make the sun move. And God makes the sun move. And then Isaiah, Hezekiah had a tumor on his leg. He had a massive growth. And Hezekiah gives him some dates or melons or something. I don't remember off the top of my head. He gives him these fruits. He says, put it on your leg. He puts this fruit on his leg. And the next day, the tumor's gone. And a few weeks later, the king of Babylon's son shows up to congratulate Hezekiah on his miracle. Or so it seems. But we all know political meetings are much more layered than that. And the Bible says that Hezekiah took them through his house, through his palace, through his armories, and through his treasuries and showed them everything. He showed them everything. In fact, The Babylonians had come just to kind of chit-chat. But by the time they left, they had determined, we're going to come back and we're taking everything now. Isaiah shows up and he tells Hezekiah, what did you do? He said, I showed them everything in my palace and in my house. And I didn't withhold anything. And Isaiah says, you've stirred the greed of the Babylonians and now they're going to take you and and, and your descendants captive. And they do. And on the surface, it's actually kind of hard to see what the problem is. You know what the problem was? Hezekiah was bragging about the wrong thing. Hezekiah never showed them the Torah scroll that was mandatory for every king to have according to Exodus. Because every king had to have his own personalized copy of the law. Hezekiah never showed them, look, these are the children God gave me. He's been a good God. Hezekiah never showed them. Amen. The wife and said, look, this is the woman God gave me. She's a good woman. Hezekiah never said, "Hey, look at this scar on my leg. I used to have a tumor right there and God healed me." Hezekiah never took him into that room and said, "See this wall right here? This is where I prayed to the God of Israel and he heard my cry and he and he stopped the earth's access." Amen. Hezekiah left God out of the picture and God God said, Hezekiah, you don't leave me out of the picture. You don't bring people into your home and show them the house. You bring people into your home and you tell them how good I am. Hezekiah, you don't you don't just leave God out of the picture cornerstone, I'm talking to some blessed people right here, but God wants you to remember, amen, when people ask you about the job, the car the degree, the house, the children you better lift him up, you better praise him, you better give him the glory he deserves, when people of high esteem and stature begin to tell you in the in the supermarket man, your kids are so well behaved don't just say, thank you very much sir, me and my husband are really good people, you ought to shout in the aisles of target and walmart god has been a good god to us god has helped us do this what the doctor tells you this is a miracle don't tell them yes i drink i drink pomegranate juice every day you ought to give god praise for what he's done when they tell you what a beautiful home you have you better tell them i didn't know it hasn't always been this way god's been good to me and god gave me a job and god kept my wife wa- Come on, somebody. Let's give God some praise right now. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Thank God for good music, but Cornerstone can praise God when there's no music playing. Thank God for the talent in the choir, but we've learned how to praise God on the job. We've learned how to praise God at school. We've learned how to praise God as we walk ar- across the platform to get our degrees. We've learned how to praise God in the hospital. We've learned how to pra- on, We've learned how to praise God on a beautiful Sunday morning while everybody is out While everybody's out at the lake, we're going to be right here worshiping the life that God has provided for us. We're going to be out here worshiping God who's been good to us. God! Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking to two people this morning. Group number one, thank God for the long route. There are people here that perhaps you're not, you're still pretty new to the faith, new to the church, new to all this God business, and you're not quite sure why everything fell apart before you got saved. And in some cases, you probably haven't even recovered from all that fell apart right before you got saved. And you're wondering, does it really require all this? Yes. Because God is not interested in you going back to those friends. God is not interested in you going back to those suicidal thoughts and God is not interested in you going back to that illicit relationship and God is not interested in you going back to drug addiction and God is not interested in losing you and so he says we're going to go on a long route because the longer you go out, the harder it gets to go back and I want you to know that what God is doing is he's making it virtually impossible for you to go back and that's a good thing, that's not a bad thing, that's a beautiful thing, that's a wonderful thing. I thank God that there's more roadblocks. Behind me. Come on, somebody. I'm I'm talking to you, new convert. I'm talking to you six months saved. I'm talking to you two years saved and you're still going to court to fight for custody of your kids. I'm talking to you right now. I'm talking to you right now. Prayer meetings in the car as you go to that job where you're underpaid. I'm talking to you right now as you you kneel in that living room that doesn't have furniture for the rent and you don't know why you're going through what you're going through and how can you have Jesus but things be this bad. You're on the long route honey and one day God's gonna take you out so far you'll never go back to the woman you used to be you'll never go back to the man you used to be you'll never go oh come on let's magnify Jesus come on some of you good seasoned saints that God brought you out so far you'll never go back you can help me preach this you know about this you know you thank God for those roadblocks you thank God for those warning signs You've lived long enough now to know he was good when he blocked it. He was good when he stopped it. I, come on. Is there anybody here that's been living for God long enough that you could thank him for all the prayers he didn't answer? For all the prayers that didn't. <laughs> Is there anybody here that can thank God for the job they got instead of the one they initially wanted? You know, the job that you thought was the job of a lifetime. But God said, We still got some walking to do. We still got some miles to go. I got something way better for you. And now you're sitting in a job that you don't deserve, that you ain't educated for, that you should have never got. You... Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. somebody magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Come on, we're just reading some Bible here. Come on, this is just some good Bible reading. Come on, it's good for your soul. It's good for your soul. I'm preaching to somebody right now, amen, who's on the long route, amen, you can lift your hands on the long route, you can thank God on the long route, I'm preaching to somebody, It's you You just, you know what, you're going to cause yourself a whole lot of trouble if you resist what God is, the, 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 the route that God has put before you, I'm preaching to somebody right now that if you're not careful, you're going to thwart the blessings of God, you're going to upset God, you're going to grieve God, you're on the long run, you got to just walk it out, you got to just Put one foot in front of the other and say, You know what? God knows what He's doing, God knows best. I, I. I may have a sword, but I don't have the spirit and God knows my spirit. And so God says, you're going to walk. You're not going to war. You're going to, you're, you're not ready for that yet. You're just not there quite yet. So I'm going to go this way instead. You know what? You're the kind of person that forgets about me every six months. That's why you promised me you'd serve me for the last three years and you're barely doing it now. So this time we're going to take the longest route possible so that we can go ahead and start living so that we can come on. Because when you're living in sin, that's not living at all. And God says, I'm tired of you being alive but not living. I'm tired of you inhabiting a body but not living. I'm tired of the back and forth. And so this time, we're going to go around." It's okay if God's talking to you. It's okay to cry if God's talking to you. It's okay to lift your hands if God's talking to you. It's okay to pray if God's talking to you. It's It's okay to break out into prayer right now. If you were thinking about fried chicken and tacos a second ago, and you were just hoping I'd wrap this up very quickly, it's okay to break out and say, My goodness, God is talking to me today. God is talking to me and my wife today. God is talking to me and my kids today. God... every hand, lift it up for five seconds. Come on. Hallelujah. I pray God bless you on the long route. I pray God keep you on the long route. I pray God encourage you on the long route. I pray God open your eyes on the long route. I pray God help you to live on daily bread and daily prayers and... Yes. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I pray God bless you on the long route. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lay your hands on your wife, bro. Lay your hands on your wife. Hallelujah. I pray God bless you on the long route. I pray God keep you on the long route. I pray God heal you on the long route. I pray. I pray the Holy Ghost encourage you on the long route. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray God help you to forget your past on the long route. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray God bless you on the long route. I pray God keep you on the long route. I pray God strengthen you on the long route. In the name of Jesus. God bless her on the long route. God keep her on the long route. God encourage her on the long route. God show her how good you are on the long route. God in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I feel some long route strength coming in. Sunday. There's a big difference between reading a book and being a reader. There's a big difference between having a prayer meeting and being prayerful. God is trying to get all of us to be incurably committed. I mean, when we're just people. That—that's just what we do. It's not prayer meeting's not a goal. It's lifestyle. We don't pray once in a while. We pray about all things. We pray about everything, and all. We're not just trying to go from battle to battle. We're on the long route. There are saints of God. I I I I have a word from the Lord from you for you. You are on the long route. I got a word from God. Your marriage is on the long route. Until one of you quits saying, I wish I never married you. one of you quit sleeping on the couch until one of you quits storming out the house every time you're confronted about something you're on the long route and that's a good thing you know I've preached this we've all heard this you know we always talk about when you're off by a little you'll be off by a lot but you know the reverse is true also When you're on by a little, you'll eventually hit your target. They've done studies with people who shoot arrows, Brother Mayo, people who can't even shoot arrows. And they just keep handing Brother Mayo the arrow. And believe it or not, with time, he starts getting closer and closer to the bullseye. And so if you do nothing else, If you get nothing else out of this, and I'm just talking to the married people for a few seconds. You have a wonderful pastor. He'll counsel you for hours on end. (laughs) If you do nothing else, start doing something. Get off the couch and go to bed. Even if there's a pillow between you, at least you're one inch in the right direction. Come on, I'm still preaching good. If you're going to leave the house, don't slam the door this time just walk out quietly, just go around the block and come back in five minutes rather than five days, come on, I'm preaching good, because if you're on by a little, you'll eventually hit your target, if you're, come on, I'm preaching to somebody, don't throw a plate this time, and if you got to throw a plate, throw a plastic one, but just get on target little by little, and before you know it, your marriage will be where it needs to be, and Hey, guess what? You're on the long route. you got time. Start working on it. Don't worry about it. There's no hurry. Just get yourself together, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just one step, even if it's just one inch. But just start doing it now. And before you know it, you're going to have the marriage you dreamed about. And before you know it, your kids will turn around. And before you know it, your backslid kids will come back. And before you know it, your husband... Before you know it, you'll wake up and your husband will beat you to prayer. Before you know it, you'll... Everybody wants that shortcut. But the problem is speed distorts perception. You go fast enough, you're just not seeing things the way they really are. You got folks that want to engage in relationships. over a a Facebook profile the size of a thumbnail and three blurbs, you're like, he's the one. You're on the long route. We don't find our spouse on Facebook. We don't slide in the DMs. I'm still preaching good. You're on the long route. And when you're on the long route, you don't slide in nobody's DMs. And when you're on the long route, you don't... We ain't... Yeah, I, I thought it'd get like that. It gets quiet. I'm telling you right now, amen. relationships take a long time and you got to get it right because there's something worse than being single and that's being married to the wrong person. And I'm, I'm still preaching good right now. You may not want to shout about that because everybody wants that shortcut. I don't even know why I'm saying this, but I'm saying this. I know people that are horrible with their money for one reason. Because they're waiting on an inheritance. They know that their relative somewhere is about, is about to drop big cash when they pass. And so they're lazy. They don't manage their money. They have no hustle, no grind. We're getting really quiet now. And they don't go around telling people this because nobody wants to be known as the guy that's waiting for their parents to die. If, if you're uncomfortable, just keep looking this way. Don't even sweat it. Listen. Listen. You got, you, you've got to be about your business at all times. Because guess what, your, your mom and dad's inheritance ain't going to change your life that much. And if you sit there wasting your life away, amen, I'm telling you there's nothing worse than clean water and a dirty pitcher. And what good does the windfall do you if you're not equipped to manage it and equipped to administrate it and equipped to save it and, and equipped to keep it off to the side and equipped to be generous with it? What good does it do you if you get a big inheritance being a couch potato? You're gonna, you'll probably end up more broke in the end. Thank God if you get it thank God if you don't but you got a God that's walking with you and he's got you on the long route and he wants to teach you some things about money and life and blessing and grace and strength and faith and he wants to teach you some things about getting through college and having a good marriage and he wants to give you a bunch of stuff that money can't buy. He wants to get you a bunch of stuff that's a spiritual inheritance, that's a heavenly inheritance that's better than anything any man or woman could ever leave you. Well brother Prado I don't believe that. That's because you ain't walking with God. When you start walking with God you realize that what God gives you it, oh, Come on somebody Come on somebody Come on somebody I'm going to close Listen I know I know I I I realize what preaching can look like to people That are in a lot of pain. And sometimes you look at somebody preaching while you're going through the trial of your life and you're thinking, you know, that sounds really good, but you. We're dealing with real deal life. And that's real inspirational and stuff. But, you know, I'm going through some things right now that are very real. I'm not negating your pain. Your pain is more real than even you or I could articulate together. And the truth is your pain won't be clapped away. And the truth is your pain won't be cheerleaded away. But you can't walk your pain out. Do you know that they've done studies on PTSD, because now we're producing more veterans than ever. God bless our veterans. But let me tell you, one of the biggest causes of PTSD is that you, and we have plenty of veterans in our church now. We live on a military base. But one of the biggest problems, Brother Mayo, is you can go from gunshots in Mogadishu, to back in California holding your baby in a matter of days. But you know, in the olden days, it wasn't like that. When you went out to war, it'd be years before you came back. There wasn't text message, phone calls. At best, there was snail mail. But what there was were people that had been through the same war, through the same pain, and they had a long way home. And they walked together. And they cried together. It's true. Right. Oh, so And they burned off all the pain. And they walked out all the pain. And they wept all the pain out. Oh. Mm-hmm. So God says, I'm taking you on the long route. Don't get too angry. Because i got a few sisters over here on the left side of the church that have been through what you've been through, girl. And nobody's in a hurry, and they're going to walk with you. Don't get too angry, brother. I know you've lost things that money can't give you back. I know you've lost things that are irreplaceable, but don't worry. There's a brother a few pews over that did too. And he'll walk with you. When it's all said and done, we're family. The implication of our father, which art in heaven, means we're all brothers and sisters, right? We be brethren. We ain't twins. Yeah, no, because there's folks in the church that want twins everywhere. You got to be just like me. Well, guess what? There's somebody that's not like you, but that's been through everything you've been through. My prayer, to, my prayer for those of you that are on the longest walk of your life with the realest pain you've ever felt is to start praying now, God, give me somebody to walk with. Hey, let me tell you something about reaching glorious places, unimaginable places. The closer you get to him, the harder it gets. Jesus referred to Calvary as the moment in which the Son of God is glorified. And you know that the closer he got to Golgotha, the harder it was for him to carry his own cross. The closer he got to that next level, the harder it got. And God said, don't worry, I'm bringing you somebody. And we're going to walk. Yeah, there's shortcuts. We're going up the hill. Yeah, no, he's not taking the cross off your back. He's going to get underneath it with you. And yeah, they're going to lead you to the top. There's still some pain there. But on the other side of it all, there's change. There's there's a new life. There's a resurrection. There's a rising up out of the ashes. Let's stand. I feel a very special presence of the Holy Ghost here right now. Can we pray together as a family? Just, you don't even have to pray anything specifically. I, I could feel it in some of you. You just feel like throwing your hands up and just weeping. Just do that. In the months and the weeks to come, God's going to bring people into your life. God's not going to let you walk this by yourself. He's going to walk it with you. People in this church are going to walk with you. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God, we love you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would like to come up to the front and just have somebody pray with you, I want you to come up to the front. If you just want to come up to the front and pray by yourself, I want you to come up to the front. I know this is not the most... For somebody on the other side of the church, go ahead and make your way over there.